to make it very simple, is looking at the concept of social cohesion, which simply means the things we wish for, which are stated in the preamble of the Constitution. Prosperous society, non-racial, and so on. Yes. Where the society is inclusive, there is social justice. And it then asks, to what extent can this be attained by 2030? Or what will have been the progress or lack of it thereof by 2030? Now, in simpler terms, scenarios out of deep analysis give you future trajectories. Okay. So it simply gives you three possibilities of what South Africa could become. Yes. Those possibilities based on e-analysis, and this analysis saying if A does not happen, mm-hmm. B will happen. Mm-hmm. If a particular scenario will follow. So that is the essence of his scenarios. Lando eighty Apemasimini class Nabalim Ubilanga Liela strong Oglonya Sabanepekezi twenty. Yes. Imvulanga Biko. Ubimvulas Tezabuma Saubona Ngoba Kube Kindu Tileneti Le Kodwa Saubanom Yinge Onga and so on. So, okay, you can make the stories about the future possibilities. Okay. How did it come about, Prof? Um, is this something normal that is done uh, regularly by developing countries or even developed countries? How did this come about? And is it is it informed? I'm looking at the, the date that is being looked at. Is it somehow linked to the NDP? Because I think the NDP has 2030 time frame linked to it. Yes, we were mindful when we were looking at the period, <clears throat> but there is the NDP. And the NDP, you may have diverse views on the NDP itself, but the reality is that it is the existing policy plan. Now, if you are talking about a country which is basing its public policy on the NDP, you can't ignore it. But on top of that, there is the United Nations, uh, you know... um, Developmental uh, goals? Developmental goals. Yes. Now, so So on both counts, 2030 seem to be a reasonable periodization, but it should not limit us to think beyond 2030. 
Okay. I'm looking at these three scenarios, and this reminds me of a conversation I was listening to on radio yesterday. The three different scenarios, as I've already raised with you, the other one sees a 2.2% growth, the other one sees a 45 and the, the gloomy one looks at a 1.5% growth. Mm. Currently, uh, we've been talking about a depression and a recession, I think, for two, two quarters last year. I think now we are standing just below 2% or around 1%. And I was listening to a conversation talking about uh, the economic growth uh, in other African countries. For example, Tanzania, Rwanda, and Ethiopia. And the economists that was talking about these countries were saying these countries are looking at around 10% economic growth in the past year or in the current year. What is making us as South Africa to grow at such a low rate? What are we getting wrong? And what are the other countries getting right? Or is this a simple way of looking okay. at it? Actually, let me start by saying sometimes countries which had been collapsed, which had failed, and they have to rise from a low base, just by mere getting things together, they may grow faster. Or some of them which have discovered new mineral resources, they may grow faster. Okay which means a country which had nothing happening in South Sudan, all you would have to do in South Sudan is to stop the war and allow people to plow their fields. Then the economy would just grow faster. From them waiting in the queues to get food to them producing their food in a fertile land that they have, then you'd have oil being pumped. So that's the first part. The second one, economic growth on its own is not a panacea because we've had an extended period of growth which did not have a serious dent on poverty, on unemployment, and uh, on reducing inequality, which means you could have growth without substantial development. So our eyes should be trained on the nature of growth and whether it is inclusive Mm. and whether it is people-centered. Because you might just have a few people Mm. generating a lot of money for some activities which are capital-intensive, employing just 10,000 people but yielding billions in terms of revenues. That can only give to SARS. Besides that, nothing happens. So growth in itself should not become the main thing. Yes, it is very important for one to generate more revenue, to generate more taxes, to have growing economy, uh, to expand the middle class, but it is the nature of that. Now let me come back to your question. What are we not getting right? Yes. There is both a simple and a complex answer to that. A simple one. A country which is most unequal in the world means that wealth is concentrated on fewer hands. You don't even have the middle class, which is usually your main consuming class. 
and there is no asset security for the majority of people. Are you still there? I'm listening, Prof. Yes. So, the very structural nature of the economy is not working on its full potential. It is just confined to few individuals. And take example, in the mobile sector, you have Vodacom and MTN dominating that space. Yes. No competition. In the energy sector, ESCOM is the only game in town except for the few other smaller ones. Mm-hmm. Banking sector, you just have four players hogging the space. Five now no economy to. can grow yeah. if you just have this anti-competitive concentrated wealth in the hands of few because you give them disproportionate influence. They set the rules. They use their power to determine the course of things. You first have to rethink that. Never mind that the legacy of colonialism and apartheid still very dominant because our spatial settlement it's along the same way. Then how do we get inclusive growth that will benefit the majority when we have these systems that we have to deal with that we are not really doing anything about? If you're not doing anything about then you'll keep on getting the same results until there is a rupture. But if you want to seriously deal with something of this nature, you'd have to think seriously about shaking the current structure. Are we doing enough to do that? Or are we just working towards a capitalist country where the the divide between the rich and the poor will keep uh, getting bigger? The reason why in the crisis we're in is because we've not been doing enough. We've allowed the situation to degenerate. Uh, The deep structural issues are exactly what they are. The new political elite, the new business elite. So I'm simply saying that uh, the tragedy of our situation is that the new black business and political elite in the main assimilated into the existing system without fundamentally transforming it. Mm. If there is banking sector, they take a few politically influential people come and stay with us. And uh, if there is another sector, a few, and those few then are used as an example of change. So nothing has changed in essence. Things remain the same. Back to the project, the, the research, Prof. Out of these three scenarios, the Isi Bourgeois, which is an enclave bourgeoisie nation, and Unailewok, a nation in step with itself, and Ikwarakwara, a floundering false dawn. <laughs> I like how you, you, you termed the last one. Mm-hmm. Which one is, is, is more ideal? I think the second one, a nation in step with itself okay. Why? has positive aspects compared to the others. Uh, you see there that people in different sectors are working together mm-hmm. 
towards making the the nation work. But it is not an ideal, ideal situation because as we craft the scenarios, we also had to take the realities. Scenario should not be a pipe dream so far away from the reality you have. Okay. But the last one, the worst case scenario, but it has some little redemption towards the end where the nation was floundering, but it sort of seemed to recover. Would it be fair to say it looks like that's where we are at the present moment? There are many elements Mm. of what we're projecting in the scenarios that are already in the current situation. Mm. So to that extent, I would say our intervention should be to say, how do we change course? from allowing the current situation to worsen. Okay. If you would happen to be advisor to the president, currently, with what is happening in South Africa, I mean, when the, when the president came in uh, after the, the December conference, the rent was at like 11 rand 50, and some term it the Ramaphoria. Today, mm-hmm. the rent is sitting at... 13 rand 80, 13 rand 70 to the dollar. That's more than a 2 rand loss in a short space of time. 15% VAT, uh, record petrol prices. Um, There's a a couple of things. Um, Strikes, left, right and center. Cash in transit heists. How would you advise the current president, the current um, cabinet, on how to take this country forward? To me, I would simply say to the current leadership, go to the drawing board and radically rethink some of the things that we've been doing and just simplify in a more appealing fashion the journey or the vision of the nation by one accepting that government alone can never resolve these problems so it should mobilize on a maximum scale that different sectors different parties the whole nation come together and have that conversation on where do we go from here not being defensive, not trying to defend the course that we've taken in the past few years to allow for new ideas. The second one, I would say in that for too long we've been preaching what government can do for people. We need to change our philosophy to emphasize self-reliance with government creating an environment where people can self-actualize. Because where we are, it's not a sustainable thing where everything, government will do it, this government will do it, that government will do it. So that, to me, would be the other thing. But the key thing in all that is leadership. 
as well as institutional capacity for government, for business sector, for political parties, for civil society, because the crisis of leadership in all those sectors has brought us to where we are today. Diabulela, Prof. Kakul, are you going to do it? To me, I would simply say that let's understand in Vulamiti scenarios 2030 okay. as a tool that will enable the nation to have strategic conversation about its future. Okay. Because for now, our democracy is an argumentative, noisy, temperamental and angry democracy. And we tend to generate more heat than light. We are not projecting ourselves strategically into the long-distance future. Rather, we are looking at what is happening here and now. Mm. What is happening in the elections next year. Not realizing that the depth of the crisis will need conscious, concerted, deliberate, purposeful action of all sectors putting their shoulder on the wagon.